Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Coach Josh. Welcome to my second episode of my new podcast, Dating Prep, where we go into greater detail on how you can be able to date yourself and a love of your life forever. So if you're new to this whole new uh, movement that we're starting in regards to relationships, feel free to familiarize yourself with whatever I do um, in regards to this dating prep movement at ezegames.com, or you can join our online community at uh, datingpreppers.mzmartha.nz.co, Martha, Nancy.co, where you can be a part of our community. Over 150 people are over there networking, growing together right now. So join me over there. I um, mean, while you're over there, feel free to pause this video and download today's worksheet because I have a lot of notes for you to go through. And I actually have a plan for you to actually develop a vision and mission statement, not only for you as a single, but if you're in a relationship that you guys can work together and develop a, a relationship mission and vision statement that will help you guys grow going forward and have you guys focus on a specific assignment. But let's get right into today's podcast. And today's podcast um, um, comes from four questions from my new card game called Dating Prep. All of this material spawned from the card game in the book that I released this past spring called Dating Prep. And so I felt impressed on my heart to really go deeper into the topic of relationships, give you guys tools and resources so that you, if you're in a dating or single phase of your life, you'll be able to prepare yourself for when it's really time to date the love of your life forever. But there's four questions that kind of spawn um, today's topic. And today's topic is why people in relationships perish. And so I have four questions that's from my card game here that says, where do you see us in five years? A CMIC question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? A CMIC question. And a corporation question is, where do you see us in 10 years? And what are your intentions with me? These questions are very important in these specific stages uh, of your life or your relationship. For those who are single, <clears throat> this is a very important question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And for those who are in the cloud, cement, or corporation stage, or specifically on this card, a cement or corporation stage, it's very important to ask yourself the question, where do I see us in 10 years? See, the number one thing that causes couples and individuals to perish is due to a lack of vision. But let's get right into my notes so that we can go a little bit deeper and to make this point even more profound so that we can kind of grow from there. Let's look at the problem. And for those who have just now got into it, you're watching live, you just fell into this, feel free to go to the links in the chat box or in the description box below and download today's work so you can be um, familiarized with what's going on today's talk. The problem. Many people in relationships are perishing due to not having and working a divine vision. Many people in relationships are perishing due to them not having and working a divine vision. Their perspectives are dark and they are not able to discern the obvious. The problem again, many people in relationships are perishing due to not having and working a divine vision. Their perspectives are dark and they are not able to discern the obvious. It's easy to kind of make this profound that a lot of people are in relationships right now or are, are living their single life perishing because they have no clear understanding of their divine purpose. See, there's a difference between having a vain and a valid vision. Vain visions are visions that's birthed out of carnal or just random inspirations. Valid vision is a vision that has been given to you by God and it's given to you specifically for you to accomplish a specific picture, an image. It's giving you the ability to see your future and see what you're capable of through him. So many of us are even either 
are unaware of a vision, pursuing a vain vision, or valid vision. You have to look at your life right now and say, what vision do I have for myself in my life? Because if you can't see yourself properly, if you don't have a clear vision for you, how can you have a clear vision for a relationship? Young man, if you endeavor to lead a woman and lead a family, if you don't have a vision for yourself, where would you lead her? So many people in relationships are perishing, dying, decaying, not growing, not prospering due to them not having, already have received, or working. Some people have the vision, they're just not working the vision. It's, 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 it's one thing not to know a vision. I can kind of um, uh, make a pass for that. I can make excuses for that. But if you have the vision and you know exactly what you're supposed to do, but you're not working that vision, that also leaves you in a dangerous situation. It says that the, their perspectives are dark and they are not able to discern the obvious. That, that, that there are things in your life that are so obvious, but we're so blinded to. What are those things that you're looking at right now, but you don't have the right perspective? Your, your eye has been darkened. You cannot see things correctly. Let's keep going. The cause of this problem is due to distractions. I say it right here. Distractions dilutes discernment. Distractions dilutes discernment. Many people are distracted by appearance and are not able to discern the actually. Distractions dilute discernment. Many people are distracted by the appearance or the surface, but are not able to discern the actually and the real. They are blinded to the obvious and what's most important. Their eye or their perspectives are dark. Distractions dilute discernment, meaning <clears throat> so many people right now are distracted. And in being distracted, their discernments become diluted. Their focus becomes diluted. Their sensitivity becomes diluted. They're not able to discern the things that are supposed to be discerned. They're wrestling against flesh and blood. They love money instead of looking at money as a resource. They focus on success but not stewarding their successful platform. People, all of us are looking at two different things. It's crazy that you and I can look at the same thing but have a different outlook. But there's actually an original <clears throat> outlook. The one who holds the greatest vision for everything, the great, who holds the greatest understanding and purpose of a thing is God. But when we're distracted from him and not focused on him and not endeavoring to walk with him and grow with him in a deeper way, we begin to lose focus. We begin to be distracted and our discernment becomes diluted to the point to where we only go off of the surface. If you always um, buy things at face value, if you always accept things at their face value, you will never discern what's behind the face. So many people have been deceived off of the appearance. Even... <clears throat> The father told, I think it was uh, Samuel, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That don't be deceived by how things look and how things appear. You got a spirit inside of you that's like a scanner that will scan the deep things of an individual, giving you the accuracy. But so many of us have been so distracted by the look of something, but we're not looking at what that thing is latched on to. That everything you look upon, there's an agenda, a motive, an intent, or, or, or spirit or focus attached to that thing. Many people are distracted by appearance and not able to discern it actually. They are blinded to the obvious and what's most important. Their eye or their perspectives are dark. I put this here. Seeing falsely is worse than being blind physically. Seeing falsely 
is worse than being blind physically. What does that mean? It's crazy. I'm pretty sure, let's put it this way, that there are some blind people that can see better than people who have sight. I would rather be blind with a divine perspective than to have 20-20 vision with a darkened eye. Seeing falsely is worse than being blinded physically. Blind people have vision. There's blind people who have a purpose. There's blind people who are pursuing things. And some of those people have done more than people who actually have sight. Next point. God cares about how you see people, positions, products, places, and problems. He wants you to see them how he sees them. God cares about how you see people, positions, products, places, and problems. He wants you to see them how he sees them. God just doesn't care about your ability to see. You heard me say this many times in my videos. <clears throat> God doesn't care about your ability to see a thing. He cares about how you actually see that thing. He cares about how you see people. Are you partial? Do you respect women and men? Do you respect the opposite sex? Do you respect people that you, you cannot benefit from? Uh, do, uh, how do you see people? Do you have a missionary's mindset? Do you see people full of God's dignity, even if they're asking for change on a corner? Do you see them with as much dignity as the person that you desire to work for? Do you see people how he sees people? If you can't see people the way God sees people, then or how God sees the woman that you want to be with, or the man that you want to be with, or you can't even see yourself correctly, how will you endeavor to have a prosperous and productive and, 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 and effective, efficient future? You have to make sure that you know how you see yourself. If you can't see yourself correctly, if you can't see yourself, then you won't be able to see how to handle people. It's important for you to see people like Christ wants you to see people. Because when I look through the Bible, he, he, he dealt with people very gently besides the people who had a poor outlook on people. The Pharisees had a poor outlook on people, putting burdens on individuals, giving them law after law after law, laws on top of laws. But Jesus dealt with the people who was up under the law greater than he did the people that was enforcing the law. Because those who was enforcing the law became a burden to the people that really wanted to honor God. And God cares about how you see people. And you got to ask yourself, how do I see myself? Myself. How do I see my significant other? How do I see the, the platforms or the positions of, of a husband or a wife? How do you see positions? Next point. How do you see positions? People want the position, but they don't want the, the, the pressure of that position. Every position that you endeavor to have has a pressure on it, has pressures. And so many people are after positions. I want to be a husband. That's a position. I want to be a wife. That's a position. I want to be a pastor. That's a position. I want to be a businesswoman. That's a position. I want to be in positive. People want the position, but they are not completely aware of what pressures come with that position. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. If you're given a position, there's requirements of that position. And every position that you hold, you have to be able to steward not only the prosperity and, and the praise of that position, but you got to be able to steward the problems and the pressures. 
But so many people don't have the right perspective of positions. They walk into positions proudly instead of lowly in spirit, instead of humble, instead of having the right perspective of the position that God, I'm so thankful that you promoted me. People want the promotion, but nobody wants the pruning before it or the stewardship or the protection after it. Every position, every promotion requires as its prerequisite preparation and pruning and as its follow-up a protection and stewardship. If you're not willing to go through the pruning, if you're not willing to protect that platform, God is not going to promote you to a place. You have to see positions and correctly. You have to see products correctly. Anything that you do not have the right perspective on, you will misuse. If you don't know the proper use of a thing, you will abuse that thing. And based upon a lot of our perspectives, we use products, positions, and people at, uh, abusively. We don't take them in honor. We don't cherish them. We don't honor them. And, and God cares about how you see products because many of us look at food and when we become emotionally depressed, food now becomes a burden. Money now becomes a burden. Um, um, a car now becomes burdens. Things become overly weighty on you based upon your perspectives. God cares about how you see places. So many of us have bad visuals of places that we have once visited or people are looking to obtain places. And this kind of goes with positions. So I kind of already covered that, but places and positions kind of go together. But problems, God wants you to see problems correctly. Your greatest asset could be the problem you're facing right now. The greatest tool that God is using to prune you could be your problems. If God removed you from every problem that you face, you would never become the person that he has predestined for you to be. So many of us, we want to run for problems because we look at them as, as obstacles. But your greatest obstacles are typically, usually, your greatest opportunities. How do you see the problems that you're facing? Instead of seeing it as a problem, see it as an opportunity. See it as an opportunity of pruning to make yourself into a better person. God cares <clears throat> about how you see people. Positions, products, places, and problems. He wants you to see them how he sees them. I'm gonna go somewhere when it comes to singles relationship. Give me some time. I'm gonna get to I'm going somewhere with this. Next point. The goal is for you and your significant other to be one spirit, soul, and substance. We're transitioning now. The goal is for you and your significant other. Your goal is for you, if you if you're single for you. And for your significant other, if you're a relationship, to be one. To be one what? Be one spirit, soul, and substance. And to have one search, security, and source. If not, your relationship will sink. The goal, in order to have a vision, in order to go in the right direction, in order to be um, stable and able, the goal is for you and your significant other to be one spirit, soul, and substance spirit, soul, and body, and to have one search, pursuit, security, and source. If not, your relationships will sink. It requires selflessness, seasons, and self-awareness to accomplish this. We're transitioning. God's goal is for you as a person to be whole. One spirit, one soul, and one substance with him. As a single individual, as a single, uh, not single version, you know what I'm trying to say. As a single person, your goal should endeavor to ensure that you and God become one. 
that you become one spirit, one soul, one body in him, that you are allowing your whole essence to follow him. The beautiful thing about God is that he's, that he's three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We're three in one. We're body, soul, and spirit. Three parts, one person, one essence. His objective is for you and your single life, for singles right now, is for you to become whole. Wholeness, it, perfection is impossible for the believer. And perfection is impossible. Progression is, is extremely uh, accessible. God wants us to be progressive. He wants us to continue to grow. As the Holy Spirit becomes the never-ending gasoline that fuels us throughout this journey, He wants us to become one with Him and to grow with Him and to commune with Him and to develop with Him and to, to be led by Him so that we can become whole, complete, lacking in nothing, ready, able. Not everything that comes through the conveyor belt is made perfectly. Some things come through the conveyor belt. There's a little bump on this side. There's a bump on that side. Even no matter what car you have, I'm sure there's a paint error somewhere. I'm pretty sure there's a bubble of a, of a, of a, of a, of a something somewhere. And then nothing comes out perfect. I'm sure there's something, if you were to look for it, there's a scratch somewhere. There's a dust somewhere. There's, a, there's, there's something somewhere that doesn't make it 100% perfect. Even though it functions perfectly, it doesn't mean that it's always packaged and built perfectly. When you understand that, you'll know that I'm not going to walk into a marriage or a situation or to a purpose expecting the, the weight of perfection. I just got to accept the grace of progression. <clears throat> I don't have to worry about handling the burden or the weight of perfection. I just get to be able to handle the grace of progression. I'm actually, it's possible to be able to do things. It's possible to do all things according to the purpose that Christ has for me and by his strength. It's actually possible, but I have to have the right perspective and the right mindset in order to become that. And, and, and as a single person, when you become one spirit, one soul and one substance, because the Bible says they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And as I worship God in spirit and in truth, then ultimately my soul, my emotions, my mind, my thoughts, my memories, my ideas, my knowledge, my emotions will begin to, to mellow itself out into a place of stillness that it becomes to, that it becomes a, uh, initiating a balanced kind of perspective and emotional state that no matter what I reach for, it's, I'm reaching for things that will be to my nutrients and not to my detriment. But if I'm not one with him and I get into a relationship and I haven't been made whole, then now I become the very thing that causes holes or the area of leakage by which things, if they're poured into the relationship, will be wasted. The goal is for you as an individual and your significant other when you're with someone, if you're currently married or with someone, is to be one spirit, soul, and substance with them. One spirit will believe the same thing spiritually. Emotionally, I'm a, I'm a servant of your emotional needs. Not no drastic emotional needs, but I'm a servant. I'm a, I'm a person who, who's, who's not going to cause no emotional strain. I'm not going to have you feel with anxiety. I'm not going to have you dealing with infidelity or dealing with a lack of nurture and care. And also one substance, that we're one body, that we're looking out for each other, that we're growing. Now, let's transition. And to have one search, one security, and one source. That's important. A relationship going in two directions is impossible. You never seen a ship go in two different directions. Never. It's one ship means one ship means one direction. 
You got to make sure that both of you guys are in the same pursuit of a thing, that you're pursuing the, the same things, that, that you're pursuing God wholeheartedly, that you're pursuing loving each other selflessly, that you're pursuing to take care of each other's physical and motivating them to be whatever God has graced them to be. That's important. You have to be one search and there has to be one security. That you can't be married to a person where they ultimately think that the finances is the security of them. You don't want to be with someone that 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 other things that are tangible that are not divine is the ultimate place of security. You want to be with a person whose security is in Christ and Christ alone. That the first wave of security and wave of of anchorship is in Jesus. Once that's settled. You begin to see money correctly. You begin to see uh, uh, career correctly. You'll begin to see positions correctly because now you know we got Christ. So even if you lose a job or you laid off or something happens in a country, our security is in him. That if I follow him and I'm led by him, I won't, my leaf won't wither. I won't die. I won't perish. I'll be a tree that's planted by the still waters whose leaf doesn't fade. You also have to be one source. Well, security and source go together, but one source that, that, that God is the source of us. Security and source, that God is the source and the security of us. Whom should I fear? What should I be afraid of? What should I be concerned about or anxious of? Because I know he's my source. If not, your relations will sink. If you're not one spirit with God, soul and substance, then you're going to sink as individuals. If you and your significant other is not one spirit, one soul, and one substance, and don't have one search, one security, and one source, your relationship will sink. That right there, as I continue to read, requires time. Let's read it. It requires selflessness, seasons, and self-awareness to accomplish it. This is not easy. It's two people sharing one thing. It's impossible to do. You ever share something with someone? It rarely comes out perfectly. That God knows just how difficult it is for two people to do marriage without him. For two people to do relationships without them, without him. He's the third cord that causes this thing not to break. And so many of us, we neglect God in our singleness. And your, your level of negligence and your, or your level of engaging engagement will determine what you contribute to a relationship. So many of us, we don't spend time with God. We're poor weather friends with God. We only come around him when things are bad. And we never build this equity of faith, no equity of joy that permeates through your whole essence. That when you become connected to another person, that 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 that, that spiritual bond begins to ravenous itself, wrap itself around who God is. And it calls the relationship to birth into something strong, solid. That's why if you can't go through nothing in your singleness, you ain't going to survive nothing with someone else in no marriage. And, if you, and there's nothing worse than being with someone who's weaker in mindset, weaker in faith than you. That's why it's important for you to allow God to make the other while he's making you. And in his perfect timing, bring you together because he knows the importance of wholeness. But it requires selflessness. You can't be selfless without the right perspective. It requires you to be selfless. If you always think about yourself, you're not ready for love. If you always think about yourself, you're not ready for purpose. If all you do is think about you, 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 and you, you ain't ready for us or a we. 
If you're always caring about what you want and what you want to do and everything's about you, that you're the that you're the unmovable plane by which all the all the celestial light surrounds, then you ain't ready for love. It requires seasons. It's gonna require time. <clears throat> That's why I tell people you can't give, you've been married for four months. You can't put the pressure of a 40-year wife on her. She's only been married four months. You can't put the pressure of a man who's been married for 60 years on a man who's only been married five weeks. It takes seasons and time to become one. You have been made whole individually, but it takes time and the handiwork of God for perspectives to mesh, for things to grow, for bonding to happen. And it also requires self-awareness. Every day in my marriage, I endeavor to see what in me could be the end of this. What in me could destroy this? I'm always self-aware that if I make a mistake, I do something wrong, or I didn't meet a need that I was supposed to meet, I take it to heart. I take it to my cubicle. I take it to my corner. Man, I dissect that, and I take a mental note on the next time that I'm facing that situation, I make an improvement. Self-awareness and selflessness is what causes relationships to sail. And you can't do that if you don't have the proper perspective or the vision for relationship. All right, let's read some scriptures real quick <clears throat> as we talk about the I. Um, let me say this one point first. Next point, follow me there. The importance of visuals. The importance of visuals. Okay. Satan's goal is to distort and distract us through perverse visuals. He blankets the world with perverse visuals, aiming to connect to the eye of those whose minds are not being renewed. Satan's goal is to distort and distract us from perverse things, utilizing the eye. He blankets the world with perverse visuals, aiming to connect to the eye of those whose minds are not being renewed. His goal is to make your inner eye callous whether biologically or demonically. I'm going to explain the I in a minute. Ensuring divine signals are constantly blocked. Let's read some scriptures. Matthew 6, 22 through 23. A Bible reads in the ESV, English Standard Version um, of the Bible. I know a lot of people have been asking me what version I read. The ESV version, English Standard Version. The I, you notice it says I, singular. It says I, it's the I, it says the I. <clears throat> Is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Luke 11, 32-36 goes with the same tone. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who may enter who enter may see the light. Verse 34. Your eye, again plural, I mean singular, <clears throat> excuse me, is a lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, verse 35, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Powerful. The eye. I read here, it says, the importance of visuals. Satan's goal is to distort and distract us through perverse visuals, visuals, images. There's power in images. He blankets imagery across the, 
across the world hoping, aiming to connect to the eye or your perspective. You heard about the third eye. That third eye is a real deal. That's your pineal gland. There's, 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 there's things in your mind biologically that has been callous through biological excuse me, and emotional effects. That there are certain things that this world has been in, putting inside of you that once show divine connection with God to be distorted. He puts images out there to affect your eye. Your eye is your perspective. Your eye is your divine connection. Your eye is what causes you or shapes or determines how you see what you see. He blankets the world with perverse visuals aiming to connect to the eye, your perspective, how you see things. To those whose minds are not being renewed. That's why the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. As your mind becomes renewed, your, your eye becomes renewed. And as your eye or your perspectives on manhood, womanhood, marriage, money, time, uh, uh, mar uh, whatever else becomes pure, purged. So now that you're now your external eyes are now latching on the right things. Those whose minds are not being renewed. His goal is to make your inner eye callous, whether through biological or demonic uh, avenues. He wants your pineal gland. He wants your perspectives. He wants your God giving antenna connection to him to become callous, hard, not able to perceive. He does this to ensure divine signals are constantly blocked. He wants you to have to be so distracted or have your, your mind so distorted that you that the images of manhood, the perverse images of manhood, the perverse images of womanhood, the perverse imagery of marriage, the perverse imagery of sexuality, the perverse imagery of, of stewardship is so blanketed amongst television, social media, the comparisons between profile pages get so consumed in the mind that you're not able to see the obvious or what's most important. You get so consumed with <clears throat> trying to bear the image of this world versus bearing the image of God that you begin to become so callousing your thinking, hard hardening your heart, that you're not able to see, that you become so blinded, even with working eyes, but your internal eye has been darkened. I put here, your outer eyes are slaves to your inner eye. These eyes right here are slaves to how you see things. These eyes are slaves to your perspectives. If you have a poor perspective on, 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 on women, the Bible says when a man looks at a woman, um, when a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. That God doesn't care about the manifest, the manifestation of a thing. He cares about the motives behind it. That you don't even have to sexually touch her, but if you sexually engage with her here, you already committed sin. God is not, God don't care about necessarily, ultimately, first off, about the action. Jesus clarified that I don't care about what you do. I care, but I don't get so focused on the external. I focus on the reasoning. And if you have the wrong perspective, then these eyes will latch not on a woman's mind or a woman's face, but you look at her other assets. You begin to look at everything to satisfy your sexual desires. And that goes with women, too. It goes with every area in life. 
that these eyes are slaves to your carnal or renewed perspectives. They will latch on to what you already have formulated in your mind, the images that you want to adopt, the individual that you want to become. Your eyes will search for it. It will search. You know how Facebook is? That if you post a picture that there's boxes on people's faces and the program already knows the person's name, that's the same thing with your eyes. If you have a lustful perspective, a proud perspective, an egotistical perspective, a, a partial perspective, then when you get an image of somebody, you capture an image with your eyes, you begin to identify the things either correctly or perversely. It all boils down to how you view or how you see things or you, who has the, 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 the control over your perspectives. Satan's goal is to distort and distract us through perverse visuals. He blankets the world with perverse visuals aiming to connect to the eye, the singular, of those whose minds are not being renewed. His goal is to make your inner eye callous, biologically or demonically, ensuring divine signals are constantly blocked. He doesn't want God to get access to your mind. And it, God can send a but God can God can give you 50 million signs a day. If you are blinded here, you ain't gonna be able to see him. What things are you blinded by? What warnings are you blinded by? What is God obviously telling you? People be talking about God don't talk to me. Do you know God talks more than through audible ways? That he talks through circumstances, he talks through people, he talks through uh, through the sky, he talks through, like your body talks to you. Your body lets you know when you're sick. It gives off signs. It begins to show things in your eye, in your skin, in your breath, in your teeth, in, your, in, your, in, in different areas of you that there's something wrong. But if you just continue consuming negative things and, and not adhering to the to signs on your body, you can't get mad when you got fourth, fourth stage cancer. You can't get mad when you utterly sick because you ignored the signs forever. God always warns everyone. Everyone on this planet has no excuse and has been warned of the importance of adhering to the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and your response will determine where you end up becoming or your response will determine your residence. Your outer eye, your outer eyes are slaves to your inner eye. Let's keep going. <clears throat> let's read let's read the rest of the scriptures and then we'll kind of make uh the rest of the points plain. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. That's important. I got this ministry for God through his mercy. I'm not losing heart because I got it from him. I know he's going to fulfill what he purposed me to fulfill. But we have renounced disgraceful unhardened ways, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we will commend ourselves to everyone conscious in the sight of God. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. He says, listen, this ministry I receive from God is from God through his mercy, right? And, and even though we renounce all these different things, he says, even though I preach the gospel, which is true, and even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The gospel is evident, but it's not evident to people who are perishing. Verse 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus was 100%, I don't like to say 100%. Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
You can't be 200% of something. You can't be 100% plus 100% is 200%. He was fully God, fully man. The Bible says, who is the image of God? That he became the expressed physical image of God. He says in verse 4, in their case, the God of this world, who is Satan, not God of the earth, God of this world system and the way the world lives, in their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds. Notice it is saying they blind their eyes. It blinded their minds, which means their eye. It blinded their perspectives of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's powerful. Blindness comes from Satan. The God of this world system, the God of the airways, the God over social media, the God over images, the God over visual perverse imagery intentionally blinds the mind by making it callous, distorted through perversion and distracted by worthless and vain pursuits, keeps them from seeing the gospel correctly. That's why it's my job not to convince you, but to give you the evidence I'm not here to convince you to be a part of my faith or to do things or to follow these points. All I got to do is here's the evidence. Here's the proof. Here's the formula. Here's the calculation. Here's the gospel of Jesus. And we'll see what come on the current state of your heart, whether your heart will accept it or deny it. But either you have been converted through the Holy Spirit into salvation through the goodness of God that drew you to it. And you being renewed in that fact or the God of this world has blinded your mind. Proverbs 20, 12. I love this verse. Now, I'll, I'll elaborate it a little bit later, but I love it. Proverbs 20, 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. It didn't say the hearing ears or the seeing eyes. It says the hearing ear and the seeing eye, singular, the Lord has made them both. All of us were born with darkened eyes, and blocked ears. Based upon the renewing our minds, our eyes become open that God makes the seeing eye. God is the one that changes your perspective. He's the one that prunes the eye. He's the one that gives you vision. He's the one that helps you see. He's the one that makes you actually see and actually hear. We were born in sin, therefore we couldn't hear or see, but because of the goodness of Jesus and his salvation, his death, brought us into a place where we now are able to see. Jesus dealt with his disciples, and you often read and saw where he says, man, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. It's before the time. I'm giving you, you have yet to understand. You have yet to perceive. But when Peter had a glimpse, when Peter, when Jesus began to say, who do men say that I am? And everyone kept saying, uh, uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, etc. But then Jesus posed a question and said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter began to have the Holy Ghost conjured up in him, must have fell upon him and said, but you are the Christ. And he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. For the Spirit of God revealed this to you. Man, everybody wants elevation, but not everybody wants revelation. You can't get elevation without revelation. Until you're able to see Jesus correctly, you won't be able to ascend correctly. If you want, not sin, but ascend, you won't be able to grow correctly. You have to ask God for revelation, revealing to me you. When you People want God to reveal who their husband is, reveal who their wife is, reveal if they're going to get the job. No, no, no. Jesus just said, if I reveal myself to you, everything else becomes 
becomes clear that when you accept me and allow my revelation of my essence, my transfiguration amongst you, my, my spirit that dwells in you, when you allow that to become real to you, then you'll see everything else. I can give you five ways to see this correctly, 28 ways to see that correctly. But until you know Jesus for yourself, until that revelation has not been, until that revelation has been made clear to you, you won't be able to see. Until you repent of your sins and realize that you are unable to fulfill this life on your own, that you're unable in your own merit, skills, degrees, um, opportunities, who you know, what you know, are unable to save your depraved, wicked soul. When you understand that the wrath of God is still compounding to un all, all ungodliness and unbelievers, that God is not saving you necessarily solely from your sins, but saving you from himself and wants to transition you from his grace and mercy into a loving, thriving, fulfilling relationship with him until you understand the gospel message that a holy God came to save you as a sinful person and even if you was the only one here he would have came and saved you and died the same death with the same bloodshed when you understand that you are as guilty as the person who pierced his side and nailed him to the cross and when you understand that you are just as guilty it humbles you I need that grace I need Jesus to reveal himself because, Father, I'm not going to be able to lead my wife and my children when I have them or, or ministry without you. I need deeper revelation. But if your eye and your ear is still in its original state, you ain't going to be able to see. I, the scripture says the hearing ear, the ability to understand wisdom and to be able to discern and to actually see and have the right perspective. The Lord makes them both. You can't have one with the other without the other. If you can't understand, you ain't going to be able to see correctly. If you can't see correctly, you ain't going to be able to understand. You need the Lord to make your ear and your eye over so that these two, these four, can work again or work originally. Psalms 103, verse 3. I love this. It's, this, is, this is a commission. This is an exercise. This is what we need to do every day. It says, uh, David was saying, I would not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. You got to hate evil. The fear of God is to hate evil. It didn't say evil doers. It says evil. I would not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Do you know the difference between something with worth and something that's worthless? If you don't know the difference, so many people put this, you, so many people ex, uh, uh, utilize their whole teenage years into worthless things, their whole 20s, 30s, 40s into worthless things. <clears throat> the number one thing that destroys people, they don't know how to determine what's worth something and what's not worth anything. And people put their whole lives into something that has no eternal value. The worst thing you can do is to be consumed with earthly value. Man, the world is bigger than this. Life is greater than just substance. This is a, a spiritual world. That This natural world is only a reflection of spiritual. If you don't understand that, and you don't understand the difference between what's worth something and what's not worth something, when I see people be jumping here, jumping there, doing this, and you know that thing is on a clearance rack, people giving their soul, there's people's souls who's hanging on clearance racks hmm. when their lives should be behind vaults. What is vision? <clears throat> Real quickly, because I'm going 42 minutes. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this podcast, those who are listening on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, those who's watching me live on YouTube, people who's watching the replay after YouTube, comment below. Let me know what your husband and wife are getting from this, your boo, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, as a single individual, what you're getting from this. I would love to see your comments below.
What is vision? Vision is disciplined eyes. Vision is disciplined eyes. Eyes that are not easily distracted. Eyes that always sees value. If the eye is disciplined, a person's life can be also. <clears throat> Vision is not drifting, distracted, or distorted eyes. Vision is disciplined eyes. I see this thing correctly. It's, my eyes are disciplined. I will not set before anything, before my eyes anything. My, my, my eye, my vision is disciplined. My eyes are disciplined. Eyes that are not easily distracted. I'm not easily swayed. I'm focused. I got a purpose. I got a mission. I have a burden on my heart. I have a people to reach. Us as a union, we got goals. Eyes that always sees value. If the eye is disciplined, if your eye is disciplined, if your eye is disciplined, a person's life, your life can be also. Let's keep going. Vision is the correct image of your future. <clears throat> Vision is the correct image of your future. Now, who has the best image of your future? Who has the greatest vantage point? For your future, that's God, Jesus, Him. Vision is seen beyond the now. Vision is able to see beyond the now. You're able to see value. You're able to see solutions. You're able to see beyond the now. You're not distracted by now because you have a greater place that you want to take the world, that you want to take your family, that you want to take a group of people, etc., culture, etc., it's operating effectively now. You, just because you see tomorrow doesn't mean you don't operate effectively. You operate effectively now, but with tomorrow and its change in mind. I see a day where people are prepared for God's purpose. I see that day. That's what motivates me now. That's why I do these videos. That's why I do these things. I write books because I ultimately see people prepared. My mission and vision in life, me individually, is to present to God, to give God, to show God. In my work's life, I present to God a people prepared. Not everyone, a people, a remnant prepared. Also, another vision and mission statement of mine is that uh, I help adults unplug and I help students propel. My goal is I develop systems and tools that helps adults unplug from the world's influence and plug into Christ and also help students propel into their purpose. I have another mission and vision statement that I do that says, my, as for me, my goal is to build, uh, to build people, to build relationships, to build communities. Anything that doesn't encompass that in my own personal life, I don't waste my time doing it's important to make sure that you operate effectively now with tomorrow's change in mind. That I want to see people prepared. I want to see people unplugged from satanic influence. I want to see children excelling and propelling in their God-given purpose. And I ain't going to change what I, I... I'm not going to allow anything to distract me if working effectively now with that change in mind. Next, if your eye is healthy, your perspective. If your eye is healthy, your perspective. Your eyes will be healthy. And if your eyes are healthy, your life will be healthy. Mm. The Bible says the eye is the lamp of the body. Your perspective is the lamp of the body. The state of your mind is the lamp of the body. How renewed your mind is will determine what kind of light, whether it's dim, off, or bright. So if your eye is healthy, if your eye is healthy, if your perspective is healthy, if your mind is healthy, if, if how you see things are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
you will begin to just be glowing, full of joy. You'll just be bright. You'll just be welcoming. You'll be exposing. Light does two things. Light helps you see, but light also exposes. And you may, there's going to be points in your life where you have the right perspective. You're going to help people see around them and you're going to help expose things. But it's telling you that if your eye is healthy, your perspective is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. Your whole relationship will be healthy. But if it's not, your whole body will be dark. If your eye is healthy, your eyes will be healthy. And if your eyes are healthy, your life will be healthy. Next point. If you can't properly, if you can't see properly for yourself, how will you be able to help someone else see or add value to their sight? We're getting somewhere. If you can't see properly, single person, how are you going to help somebody else see? If you can't see properly, husband, how are you going to help your wife see? If you can't see properly, girlfriend, how are you going to help the one that God has for you in your relationship that's been confirmed? How are you going to, how are you going to add sight? It's important that you never put the cart before the horse. You can't get a relationship and then ask God to help you see it. You can't put the cart and we got married and now we're going to try to get whole. But if you're in that situation, God can redeem the time. God's grace is sufficient. He can help you. But my goodness, before you do that, don't put the cart before the horse. A cart was never meant to pull a horse. A horse was meant to pull the cart. Perspective was the fuel, the, the entity that's designed to pull the marriage or, or to pull the union, not the vice versa. If you can't see properly for yourself. If you're dark mentally, how will you be able to help someone else see? How will you be able to, fellas, lead a, a woman? Ladies, how will you be able to see the blind spots of a man? How will you be able to add value to their sight? Last, next point. <clears throat> One object can have two outlooks. One object can have two outlooks, but there's an original outlook. What that means is you look at marriage one way, I look at marriage one way. Whoever holds the biblical perspective of it sees marriage correctly. I can look, I can look at the sky and we know it's blue, but if you think it's yellow, you think it's yellow. So many people looking at the same thing, saying the wrong colors. Looking at the same thing, saying the wrong shape. Looking at the same thing, calling it the wrong name. There's two sides, there's two outlooks. There's a carnal outlook and a renewed outlook. Where do you fall? Are you allowing the effects of your past, the abuse, the, the rape, the molestation, the, the abandonment? Are you allowing the pains of this world to hinder your perspectives? Are you allowing your problems and how people treated you? Are you allowing the position that you desire to have or the pressure you currently have in this position alter how you see things, changing the way you look at it? Are you allowing what someone else is doing on their Instagram and what other people are doing on TV and YouTube and wherever you get your influences from? Be very careful what influence are you up that you're up under because they will be used against you. And so many people are up under the wrong influences and it's shaping the way they see things and it's distorting 
hurting them, you allowing this hurt person never receive intel or advice from a person who's still hurting. If you still see blood in their wounds, don't trust them. But if you see a scar that has been healed, you can trust them. So many people are going to people who are still bleeding, asking them to patch up their wounds. If you don't see a healed place in that person's life, don't let them help you because hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. And so many people are allowing uh, hurt people's influences, uh, demonically inspired people to influence them, shaping their worldview, giving clearance to things in their life. They listen to things they shouldn't be listening to. They hang out with people they shouldn't be hanging out with. They're doing things. And this Christian culture has given carnal clearances to Christian babes. And now Christian babes are engaging in demonic and, and, and dark things that's darkening their perspective, blocking divine signals. And their pastors have become their idols. And these Christian uh, hip Instagram influencers have became their, their pie pipers. Listen, who are you a follower of? It must be Jesus because it definitely ain't Jesus. It's your top five influences. It ain't Jesus. All of us believe. A lot of us believe, but not all of us are following. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Where are you on? Who's influencing you? Who's shaping your mind? Who's distorting it? Because some of y'all are in relationships blinded. Some of you guys are in two-quarter relationships and you're not even inviting God to be the substratum or the remnant of it. Listen. Why are you and your relationship perishing? It's because you don't have a vision. You can't see. Ask God right now. Father, help me see. God, give me that hearing ear. Give me that seeing eye. Help me to understand. Help me to discern. Help me to see the actually and not just the appearance of a thing. Let me hear the tone and the, and the essence behind a person's voice and not just how pleasant it may sound. One object can have two outlooks. Now, a vision must be, I'm almost done. A vision must be the top box in the right corner. A vision, V-I-S-O-N, a vision must be, number one, from God's vantage point and valued. A vision must be from God's vantage point that you have to receive that vision. You have to gather that vision. That vision has to be from God. If that vision is not from God, you won't know whether or not you're supposed to value it. Some of us are valuing vain visions, not valuing the right visions. Is your vision from God's vantage point? Has your vision been given from him? And it, or do you value it? Is there any value in it? When you value something, you protect it. When you value something, you do whatever it takes to make sure that it's enhanced. A vision must be intentionally pursued. Intentionally pursued. A vision must be intentionally pursued. That every day when you don't feel like fulfilling the vision that God has for you as a single or the vision that God has for you as, as a couple, you have to intentionally pursue it. There's going to be days you ain't going to feel like it. Do you think I want to do this vision all the time that I'm doing? Do you think I want to do what I do all the time every day? No. But I have to. I have to be intentional that pursuing God and following God and love and relationship is not about feelings. Next week, I'm going to be talking about feelings. Love is much more than feelings. It's facts. And when you know the facts, you can be faithful. But so many people are not intentionally pursuing it because you go by feelings. 
I'm going to fulfill God's vision for marriage, vision for God, for my singleness, vision for my purpose when I feel like it. Man, if you always wait to do things when you feel like it, you're going to fall out of it. A vision must be sure, S, must be sure and solid. Has to be sure. You got to ask for confirmation. God, is this from you? I'm sure about this thing. Nobody. When you're sure about something, nothing can persuade you. This is the vision God has for me. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a vision statement. Joshua's vision statement says, as far as me and my house, me. He said, if me, I'm going to put me first. Me, as far as me, which means I'm going to take the responsibility to be the example for this house. As far as me and my house, we will. Not we might, that we may be, or we, we, we may feel like it. No, we will serve who? The Lord. That's a vision statement. Y'all can do what y'all want to do. The rest of y'all spies and folks amongst the children, y'all can do what you want to do. But as far as me and my house, that's a vision statement. As far as me and my house, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to be sure. You have to be solid. You're not persuaded. No, this is what God, I know this has been confirmed. This is my vision for my life, and you can't tell me. People have been trying to talk me off of my platform of what I do, trying to persuade it, alter it, change it, ridicule, misuse it, run my name through the mud. Let me tell you this. When you got a gold name, a good name, even gold in mud never decreases in value. So even if people run your gold, good name in the mud, time and over time it will wash itself off, and people will still see that it's gold. But you got to be sure it's solid. Husbands, you got to be sure and solid. This is the vision that God has for this house. Ladies, you have to be sure and solid as a woman, as a single woman. This is the vision God has for me. And fellas too. And women who are wives, you have to be solid and sure. This is the vision that God has for me to uphold. A vision must be the next eye itemized. A vision left in the mind or an idea left in the mind is no use of anybody. An idea that's left in the mind cannot benefit any individual. It has to be itemized. You have to make that thing work. You have to itemize it. You got to press towards it. You got to work that thing until that thing becomes a reality. So many people give up and they never allow the thing to manifest itself. It doesn't itemize. You allow things to distract you, to distort your visual, and it never materializes. No, no, no. A vision was never meant just to be for only you to see. You are creating a cinema. You are creating a movie by which people must see the glory of God in your life. You are a walking movie. You are a walking movie and you got to manifest that vision because there's people whose souls are on the line. A vision must be operable. I think a, operable. It must be able to be done. Write the vision. Make it plain. Write it on tablets. So that people can see and run with it. It has to be operable. A vision also must be fulfilled by people who is not afraid to say no. N is for no. A vision must be fulfilled by someone who is not afraid to say no. If you are a yes person, you will be easily distracted. You got to have a disciplined eye, disciplined life. And you got to be able to say no to things. No, that's not a part of my vision statement. You know, Chick-fil-A doesn't make burgers. They said no. <laughs> we may give you a sausage biscuit in the morning, but we don't do. We got this cow for a reason. We don't do beef. You know what I'm saying? We are Chick-fil-A. We don't do beef. No. It doesn't matter if, 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 if a line of people surrounds Chick-fil-A and say, we want burgers. 
We want burgers. Even though they they may say it in the nicest way possible, which they will. They will say, um, it is my pleasure to serve you beef, but unfortunately, according to our vision, we are not allowed to sell beef. But how else may I serve you? You want Polynesian sauce? We can give you chicken sandwiches. What we do, yes. You can say yes to everything within your vision, but you got to say no to anything that doesn't is not comparable or assist your vision. A vision must be from God's vantage point and value. A vision must be intentionally pursued. A vision must be sure and solid. A vision must be itemized. A vision must be operable. And a vision must be fulfilled by someone who is not afraid to say no. Alright, the process of developing a vision for singles. This comes from Habakkuk 2. Write the vision, make it plain. So they that who read it may be able to run with it. And it says, uh, wait on the vision, even though it tarries, all that good stuff. I, I thought I had the verse here, but I, I didn't put it in my notes. Um, I, and I have a Bible up here with me because I thought I had all my scriptures here. But Habakkuk 3 goes into great detail. But let's talk about the process of developing a vision for singles. Number one, receive. Let me, let me find the verse. Give me one second. I got to make sure I make this plain. I, don't, I definitely don't want to uh, um, not serve you guys the way I need to serve you. Let me look up Habakkuk 3 real quickly, and let's, uh, let's break it down. Hope you guys are getting something from this message. Man, I pray we're going to get into some more detail on how to develop a vision and mission statement. I may do a part two to this, but I think I may be able to get it all done um, today. But Habakkuk 3, let's go there real quickly and break it down. All right. Almost there. Feel free to share this broadcast. Feel free to comment. Let me know what you're getting. I'm pretty sure I'm in the comment section with you guys already. Last week, boy, I had a great time in the comment section with you guys. It was fun doing this live with you, this YouTube premiere. It was such so much fun. Um, I think it was Rebecca 3. Uh, give me one second. Let me just see. I don't think it's a back of three. Let me find it. Write the vision. Thank God for Google. Write the vision. Right now, take some time to really reflect on what has been said. Take some time to really say, hey, man, um, God, I, I want to have a hearing ear, a seeing eye. I want you guys to take some time as I look for the scripture. I'm buying time. I'm <laughs> trying to buy it from you guys. Um, uh, talk to your wife and your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. She watches and say, man, where could, oh, Rebecca, too. That's where it was. Uh, let me go back. Give me one second. Habakkuk 2. Almost there, guys. Habakkuk 2. I'm a little bit more prepared than this, um, but I thought I had it in my notes, but I didn't. Uh, okay. Almost there. Almost there. I might just edit this part, but if I didn't edit it, don't worry about it. Just give me you guys some time to get you some water, go use the bathroom, all that good stuff. All right, Habakkuk 2. I will take my stand at my watch post. I love that. I will take my stand at my watch post. I always have a watch post in the kingdom of God. Have you taken your watch post? And station myself on the tower and look out to see what we will say, what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. All right. I, I will go into deeper on what this chapter really meant, but let me break it down. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits his appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. I love that. 
And so this is how you process or develop a, a process, the process of developing a vision for singles. Receive and write the vision. If you're a single person right now, you got to set up a, 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 a state of mind, a state of life where you're able to receive the vision of God. Receive it um, and, and write the vision. You have to create a culture where you're in, you're in relationship with God, that you're able to receive revelation. Everybody wants elevation, but nobody wants revelation. You have to say, God, from this point, I'm not going to think about a husband. I'm not going to think about a wife. I'm not going to think about no money. I ain't going to think about whatever. Because I trust in you. You my source. You my security. You my search. And in that, God, I will set up a culture, a lifestyle that will welcome revelation, but won't ruin it. And when I do receive the vision, a vision from you, and there's a vision by which God wants us to do through his word. There's vision. There's a way he wants you to live. There's a way he wants you to think. And this process, as you hear the God's word, as you grow in God's word, you grow, but you receive and then write the vision. Once you write the, receive the vision and you write the vision, the vision ain't going to be quite plain yet. You're going to then, the Bible says, make it plain on tablets. Or you can make it plain on paper or digitally. <laughs> we don't have tablets anymore. Well, we do have tablets. You can make it plain on your tablet, your iPad, or your Android device. Make it plain on paper. Next, make it readable and runnable and surrounded with solid runners. The vision that you have that God gives you as a single person, once you received it and you wrote it down, you made it plain, you got to protect it. Not only do you protect it, you got to make sure it's readable. When you give a vision, when you cast a vision, when you see the vision, when you share a vision, you got to make sure that it's readable, that it's runnable, but that you only share with people who can actually run it, right? People be sharing their visions to people who cannot run it. They be sharing their personal visions and they end up allowing that company, that entity to be dissolved while another person's carnal vision thrives. No, 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 no. God ain't going to give you someone that compromises your vision. He's going to give you someone that complements that vision. And when, see, see, you by yourself is one eye. The other person over here is one eye. When y'all come together, y'all two eyes. Two perspectives, looking out, seeing the same thing. as a great analogy, Holy Ghost. You, your one eye, your perspective is a solid vision of itself. And when God puts you with somebody else, their eye and perspective is one. Their, your eyes complement each other. My eye ain't over here and this eye over there. They're both uh, uh, circum, whatever the, the, the geometrical term is. Your perspective, their perspective comes together. Now you have two eyes able to see the same thing looking forward, going forward. You got to make sure that you have people who can actually run it. That when they read it, they're running it and they can make sure that it's sustained. Solid runners, that means solid accountability, solid people who can invest in it, people who can grow it and nurture it as a single person. You need to make sure you only give your vision to people who actually are able to read it. Don't give English to someone who can only read Chinese. Don't give holy writings to someone who can only read carnal. Don't expect someone who hasn't been renewed to read something that has been renewed. Make it readable and runnable and surrounded with solid runners. Next, give it time to manifest and materialize even when it seems slow. Oh, man. Story after story from singles who are like, man, God, Josh, when is my time? God is taking forever. When, 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 when? God said, man, even though it seems slow, wait on it. Give it time to manifest, yo. <clears throat> what if you're not supposed to get married in your 20s, but you wasted your 20s worrying about marriage, worrying about stuff? No, <laughs> make the best use of the time because the days are evil. No soldier entangles themselves with civilians' affairs for that person's hope and joy to satisfy the one that enlisted them. 
That's important. Give it time to manifest and materialize even when it seems slow because it is actually hastening to its end. It may seem slow, but it is trucking. Last but not least for singles, stay consistent and let it prove to everyone, not you. I think the verse says, um, it says, if it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Uh, for still the vision wastes at the point in time of hastening, it will not lie. It will not lie. That part is what I put for there. It will not lie. Stay consistent. Let it prove it and let it prove it to everyone. It's not going to lie. You can mess it up by trying to articulate. How can you articulate a full vision when you're in the middle of it? <laughs> How can you articulate a full vision when you're in the middle of it? Let the vision speak. Let the let God manifest it. You stay quiet. You work in silence. Don't allow the culture to, to cause you to speak and defend a vision, to speak your vision. Just chill. It, it, listen, nothing God gives you is going to be outdated. God can give you something 10 years before its manifestation and it still be relevant, current, and able to fulfill its purpose. Even though it seems slow, let it take its time. Let it materialize. Let it manifest. When you, If you know that person's the one for you, don't say nothing to that person. Let God manifest. Whatever God shares with you privately, let him reveal it publicly. Now, the process of developing a vision for couples. Slow what you can and seek God for the vision. If y'all don't have the right vision right now, your eye, this eye got a black eye. This eye got a red eye. This eye got a... Uh, 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 whatever it's called, uh, pink eye, and this other eye got a blue eye. You got to slow everything down and seek God for the vision. Say, hey, baby girl, young man, before we lay another brick onto this house, before we add another shingle, another wall, another sheetrock to this house, let's look at this foundation. Let's slow what we can. You still got to work. You still got to do things. But let's slow this relationship down. We're going too fast. It's for the, the, those in the cloud and the cement phase. Or maybe engage corporation phase. You need to slow it down. Hey, we're going too fast. Look, man, let me ask the question. What do you, where do you see us in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see us in 10 years? What are your intentions with me? Slow it down and ask these different questions. You can get the right outlook on where this thing is going. Slow what you can and seek God for the vision. Next, talk through and receive the vision. Talk it through. If you husband, if you husband and wife, talk it through. Look at your skill sets. Look at her skill sets. Look at what she does. Look at what he does. Talk it through. And in the midst of talking, let the Holy Spirit create the culture of communication and unity. And receive the vision from a place of worship and a place of living right. You are right. God's righteousness being imputed on you, but a righteous life living righteously really sets the climate by which God can send revelation. Then make it plain on paper or digitally. Make it plain together. Make a vision statement. Do all that kind of stuff. Next, make it readable, runnable, and make sure you both are solid runners. You, know, you married now. You married now. Are you a solid runner? Is she a solid runner? Is he a solid runner? Are they going to get lazy on you halfway? Are they in shape for this journey? You got to be in shape spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically to execute a vision. You can't be overweight emotionally trying to fulfill a, a, an emotionally fit thing. Next, give it time to manifest and materialize even when it seems slow. We made that point clear in the other one. And last one, stay consistent and selfless. I had that selfless point there for a reason. And let the fruit speak for itself, not you all. Let the fruit speak. Let God, let God show. And stay consistent and stay selfless in the process. Stay serving each other. Now, 
A vision is important for your relationship because any any relationship that doesn't have a vision will perish. Any personalized vision will perish. You got to make sure that you have the right vision. But if your eye is dark, your whole body will be dark. Now, I have exercises for you to be able to develop a vision. Now, um, I kind of went through this briefly on this podcast. No, I didn't. It's an hour and ten minutes. But the process of developing a vision statement. I put mission and vision, but vision statement. The process, the first box or the next sheet. If you haven't got this yet, download it. It's available now. Links in the description box below and the links in the chat box. I'm probably posting it right now. Process. Commit, cut off and cleanse, collect, construct and clarify, carry out. My C's. Commit, cut off and cleanse, collect, construct, clarify, carry out. The plan I have for you is fivefold, I think. Fourfold. I got a commitment plan. I got a cutoff list slash soul cleansing plan. I have a collect call sheet <laughs> and I have a vision construction sheet for you to fill out. This will kind of help you as a single person. I have a single and, and a couple side. This will give you the opportunity to actually process um, your vision and help bring clarity. Commitment. Singles. What areas in your life are not committed to God and why? Next box. What systems in your life do you need to implement in your life to ensure you stay committed? Couples. What areas in your life are not committed to God and why? Gentleman's side, lady's side. What system in your life do you need to implement in your life to ensure you stay committed? Gentleman's side, lady's side. A commitment plan. In that next box, I want you to take some time to really, on the back of that sheet, I want you to take some time to really think through the systems. Talk to your husband and wife. What are the systems? What commitment do we need? What kind of commitment plan should we develop? What do we need to do? Do we pray together at this time? Do we read together at that time? Do we worship together? Do we uh, have fun together? When do we have sex? When do we have time of intimacy? When do we have time of intellectual uh, dialogue? When do we have time of, 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 of entering in deeper in the things of God? Next sheet, the cutoff list. I got a cutoff list for you as well. Who or what do you need to cut off and why? For gentlemen and lady, what, who do you need to cut off? And the next box is why. You can do this single. If you're single, you do it for singles. If you're married, you can do husband and wife. Collect call sheet. What days and times do you plan to seek God for clarity? Days and times. What talents and skills do you have that God could use for singles and, you know, married people? And who could he use them to help? collect. I'm collecting intel. What day time do I need? So you're setting a culture and a climate for you to seek God and seek clarity. Next, you're just kind of looking at your heart, soul searching, collecting data. What talent skills do I have that God could use? And who could he use them? Who do I have a burden for? Who do I want to help? And I have a reflection box for there as well. <clears throat> Last but not least, mission, mission and vision construction sheet. Let me break this down. I'm going to take about three to four minutes to make this plan because this is important. This is where you get to how to develop a mission statement. A mission statement is present tense. There's a difference. A mission statement and vision statement are two totally different things. For people in the business world, the nonprofit sector, you understand these things. But for the layman, the regular people, maybe not. A mission statement is present tense and describes what you do and who benefits. A vision statement describes the future you are working towards. I'm going to make it plain. There's seven categories. Noun is you, who, who's involved. Is it you if you're single, just you. If it's a couple, you and your wife, you and your husband. Actions, bringing to provide, to create. Um, so your actions, I'm, my goal is I'm bringing life to the, to the dead <laughs> to provide resources and tools for 
people group to create. You got to action. You got to now. You got to action. You got service and solutions. What service or solutions will you or your significant other provide? Target audience or recipients who will benefit the most from your services? Problems. What problems, problem or problems will you and or your service solve? Helpers who will help this cause? And purpose. For what purpose do you provide your service or solutions? Now, I gave examples of my mission statement and then my union's mission statement, my marriage, right? Number one. I gave examples so you can kind of see what kind of mission statement you can make for yourself as a single as or as you as a couple. Here are my six examples. Number one, building people, relationships, and communities. That's a mission statement. That's a vision statement. Building people, relationships, communities, communities. Number two, I'm here to build people, relationships, and communities. That's another way of putting it. Building, I-N-G, or I'm here to. So actions is you can use an I-N-G word or you can use a to what? A to action word. I'm here to build. My first version is building, I-N-G, building people, relationships, communities. And I can switch it up by putting the two in there. I'm here to build people, relationships, communities. Number three, which is my favorite one, my vision statement or my mission statement is presenting. My goal is to, I'm here to present to God a people prepared. A vision statement of that is prepare, uh, um, ensuring people are prepared or something like that. Number four, I'm here to help adults unplug and students propel. You see that? I'm here to help adults unplug and students propel. Here's some union mission statements that we have as for our relationship. Our union, number five, our union exists because of God's grace and for the glory of God. That's our mission statement for our relationship. That's what I designed for us. Our union exists because of the grace of God that keeps us humble. This union happened because it was confirmed by God. It was by God's grace. And from that grace, it will be used to exist for the glory of God. You see how our union exists, Brittany and myself, exists because of the grace of God and for the glory of God. Because of and for. Number six, our union helps adults unplug and students propel. You see how I put it together? Have a box down here. Who's all involved? I got a box for actions, box for services, box for your audience, box for problems, box for helpers, box for purpose, box to actually write your vision statement. I'm here to, or helping people to. Take some time to work with your wife or your husband. I may be posting some other insight and some other articles on the datingpreppers.mn.co website that kind of help bring this to life. But get this, this card game right here. It's beneficial to couples. Because it helps you ask the question. I think I have a, a list for you to write answers in a dating prep book. We are able to get the dating prep book and actually engage with these questions and answer it as a single and as a person in a relationship or married. But I pray this podcast was a blessing to you, man. I pray that you're able to see clearly now that you understand that, that, that it doesn't matter what you endeavor to see with these two eyes. If your perspective is dark, your whole body is dark. That before you can even endeavor <clears throat> to develop a vision or mission statement for your relationship, you have to first recommit your life to God. If you're not committed to Him, you will not have clarity on anything. If you plan to elevate, you got to make sure you are in position for re re revelation because <clears throat> that's critical. That's crucial. 
I pray this podcast will bless them. Go to ezzygames.com if you want to get the card game and the book. Go to datingpreppers.mn.co if you want to connect with the other 170 others who's on the site now as of today. Because <laughs> I pre-record these videos. Thank you guys so much for watching. Share. Get this out. And I'll see you next week. We're going to be talking about, um, what was my topic for next week? Um, love is much more than a feeling. How to see the facts. F-A-C-T-S. How to see the facts of love. I'll see you guys next week and know that coach factually <laughs> beyond feeling. Love you all. And with feeling, love you all. Can't wait to see you all next week. Get your husband, get your wife, get your uh, singles group, get everybody together, have watch parties, get together, and let's grow each other so that you can date yourself and the love of your life forever. Keep prepping. Keep dating your wife. Keep dating your husband. I'll see you guys next week.